everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we turn our all-seeing eye to the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who's we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and as usual I'm joined by my co-host Mick. Hello! Oh, what was that hello from the quantum realm? Yes. Eh, good enough. <laughs> It's really difficult to make yourself microscopic. It is, especially in audio formats. Yeah, and you know how method I am when it comes to these recordings. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe you invented actual pin particles just for a one-bit gag that no one can actually see. I know, but it was really impressive what I did with that tank, wasn't it? It was indeed. Although, again... We mentioned it on the actual Iron Man episode, but if you're supposed to weigh the same when you're big as you're small, then surely that's a full-size tank that Hank Pym's carrying around on his keychain. He's Yes. It should weigh the same as a tank. Maybe, maybe Hank Pym is just remarkably strong. Maybe that's it. So, yes... Um, we're doing very much the opposite to last episode. We've gone from a giant size man thing to a teeny tiny ant man. Yes. A really teeny, 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 teeny. He's so tiny, even ants can't see him, unless they've gone into the quantum realm with him. So, yes. Also, if, if you haven't seen the, you know, episode title, the assumption might be, oh, Andrew and Mick, you, you did first Ant-Man a while ago. So this is Ant-Man and the Wasp that you're doing, right? The sequel. That would be far too logical for us. Exactly. Instead, we're skipping right to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, the third film in the MCU franchise <laughs> of, of Ant-Man, not like the whole MCU. Yeah, no, because it's about the 452nd film in the whole thing. Yes. There are, in fact, more than three MCU films. <laughs> So, yes, specifically, this is the 2023 film by Peyton Reed, written by Je Jeff Loveness, and based on Marvel characters, specifically, because uh, it's it's one of those ones where it's a bit all over the place again, because the character of Ant-Man was invented by Stanley, Jack Kirby, and Larry Lieber, along with like 90% of Marvel characters. But, of course, that was Hank Pym, Whereas the main Ant-Man now is Scott Lang, who was created by David McElhenney, Bob Layton, and John Byrne. And the Wasp, which is its whole other continuity thing, invented by, of course, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby. But with Ernie Hart this time, just for a bit of variety. All right. See, Larry Lieber always strikes me as he should have been the alter ego of one of the Marvel Comics characters because he's got that lovely alliterative surname like uh, Reed Richards or Sue Storm or Peter Parker. Larry Lieber. He should have been the lizard. He should have been. I'm surprised he wasn't at one point because the thing with the alliterative names is that was done by Stan Lee to help him not forget what all his characters were called. And still half the time he'd call them something else. Yeah. Like, there's there's a few Hulk comics where he's suddenly, like, David Bruce or, like, Robert Banner. <laughs> and eventually he becomes David Robert Bruce Banner, doesn't he? I believe. Yes, I think that was one of those. I think, that was what they, I think that's what's on his tombstone in the, uh, in the TV show. 
in the Hulk TV show. Yes, well, it's just no, it did. it's not a continuity error. It's just his, he was using his middle name that issue. <laughs> So, are we going to do the whole what's your history of Ant-Man or are we going to assume we've covered that in the Ant-Man episode? Uh, yes, I, th- I think we did pretty much cover it on the episode. But just to change, would you like to run through thoughts, feelings, opinions on the first two Ant-Man films? I loved the first one. I thought it was really good. Some really clever use of special effects. Um the scene in the bath is just awesome. Yeah. The second one was a little bit... It was basically just a heist movie. Yeah, which and I mean, it, I think that that was the strength of the first film. Yeah. It was kind of like a hybrid of a superhero and a heist film. But I feel like the second, the second felt like a lot of, let's just do the same thing again. Yeah, and it didn't really... F- Although there was a villain, that villain deserved a bigger B-plot than they got. The whole story behind Ghost was, like, fantastically more interesting than just robbing somebody of some stuff. Yeah, I think it's... Marvel can still be a bit hit and miss, well, quite hit and miss with the villains. Yeah. I think it's one of those, like, they'll give a villain a really interesting backstory because people complain that they're boring, but then won't actually do much with that backstory. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Well, still, so... she'll be back in Thunderbolt, so I guess we'll see more of her. <laughs> and then we'll learn a little bit more about her fascinating backstory and not take it any further. Yeah, she'll, she'll get one scene where she'll explain it like, oh yeah, I, I was actually like, you know, a world famous pianist at one point and then no one will ever mention it ever again. Yeah. And then in about five films time, there'll be a shot where she's like trapped in a room with a piano and won't even acknowledge it. Yeah, it'll be like Thunderbolts 5. It's the oh no, the only way we can defeat Oh no, I don't think Marvel does have a music themed anyway, new original music themed villain is for someone to outplay him and then Bucky will like whip out a saxophone or something. They must have a music themed villain for Dazzler, surely. Yes. Oh, there's the hypno hustler. No, <laughs> Maybe let's leave it then. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like Marvel's equivalent of the Condiment King. Yeah, he is a bit. <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm pretty much the same. Really like the first Ant-Man film. I think it still might be like my favourite final fight of the MCU. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, just, the... it's so much fun. Like the bit with just the Thomas the Tank Engine like hurtling towards him. And then it cuts to like normal size and it's just a little boop. Yeah, it's like it's like Marvel does the wrong trousers. It is very much <laughs> like a sort of Watson Gromit-esque thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's one of those that it, it's right up there because it's 
it's a comic book movie that actually is a lot of fun. And I think they sometimes miss that point. Yeah. And to be fair, I, as much as the second one certainly isn't as good and is quite forgettable, I do think it still has some fun moments in it. It does, it does. Like especially I always remember the bit where like he's stuck, Scott that is, is stuck essentially as like child-sized. He's just running around school in like a massive jumper that's too big for him and he like can't reach any of the doorknobs to get out. Yep. I, just, I love that like they have a, the Ant-Man theme tune over that, but it's like minified essentially. Yeah. It's sort of like yeah. a bomb, bomb, bomb. Bom 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 it do 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 just exactly like that. In fact, yeah. we we might get sued by Marvel for stealing their music. It's all right. We did less than thirty seconds. Phew. But yeah, like I say, I think the main issue with the second one is it just feels like it rehashes a lot of the first one. Yeah. So so hopefully the third one will be able to course correct and you know do something a bit different. And and certainly it won't go too far in the other direction. <laughs> what, like creating a whole new world and mythos and aliens for you to love and loathe? Exactly. Surely nothing like that. Yeah, it wouldn't do that. Shall I synopsize? Go on. I dare you. Yeah, so. Big breath in. <gasps> Oh, for you. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you can have one as well if you want. <laughs> so, sometime after the events of Avengers Endgame, Scott Lang, played by Paul Rudd, has all but retired as Ant-Man and has settled down with his girlfriend Hope Van Dyne, uh, played by Evangeline Lilly, a.k.a. The Wasp. However, his relationship with his daughter Cassie, played by Catherine Newton, is strained as she feels that they should be doing more to help people. Cassie has also been working with Hope's father, Hank Pym, Michael Douglas, on a device to contact the Quantum Realm. Hank's wife, Janet, Michelle Pfeiffer, who spent years trapped in the Quantum Realm, panics when Cassie and Hank unveil the device to her. Uh, unveil the device to her, Scott and Hope, and tries to shut it down. However, the device malfunctions and pulls all five of them into the Quantum Realm. Don't you just hate it when that happens? Yeah, really ruins my Sunday, it does. Yeah. So, Scott and Cassie are captured by Jen Tora, played by Katie O'Brien, the leader of a resistance group against the Quantum Realm's tyrannical ruler. Meanwhile, Hank, Janet and Hope learn that this ruler is Kang, played by Jonathan Majors, a former ally of Janet's, who she turned against and destroyed his ship after learning that Kang was exiled to the Quantum Realm for trying to conquer the entire multiverse. Uh, the Resistance is attacked by Modok, a mental organism designed only for killing, who is revealed to be Ant-Man 1's villain, Darren Cross, still played by Corey Stoll, who survived being sucked into the Quantum Realm at the cost of becoming horribly deformed. Modok takes the Langs to Kang, which, oh, I didn't realise that rhymed, <laughs> who threatens to kill Cassie. Wasn't that a song in the 60s by a girl group? Langs to Kang. Do Langs to Kang. <laughs> I mean, probably. <laughs> yeah, Bim Bang Shanga Kang. <laughs> uh, who threatens to kill Cassie unless Scott retrieves the power core from the wreckage of his ship. 
Scott tries to retrieve the core, but its time-distorting energies cause him to split into multiple variants of himself. Hope arrives just in time to save him, and together they manage to get the core. Kang takes the core and uses it to begin to raise his army out of the Quantum Realm, so that they can once again wreak havoc on the multiverse. However, with the aid of the Resistance, an army of ants that were also pulled into the Quantum Realm from Hank's lab, and Modok, who Cassie convinces to switch sides, the Pym and Lang family are able to retrieve the core and kill Kang, although Modok dies in the process. Uh, all of them are able to return home, and the day is saved. Or is it? Because as in a mid-credits scene, Amortis, played by Jonathan Majors, gathers together all the other variants of Kang, including Rama Tut, played by Jonathan Majors, and a Centurion, played by Jonathan Majors, from across the multiverse to plan an uprising. In an end credit and then in an end credit scene, Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston, and Mobius, Owen Wilson of the TVA, encounter another Kang variant called Victor Timely, played by Jonathan Majors. <laughs> He was bopping Victor around in Timely. the 1940s. Victor Timely. Why didn't they just call him Mike Marvel? Or Charles Atlas. Yeah. <laughs> yes, just for anyone who doesn't know, that, that name is a reference to Timely Comics, which is sort of basically one of the names of Marvel before it became Marvel. It's It's a bit more... This company was bought by that company, and then those companies merged, and then this company bought that one. But that's that's essentially like the simplest version of it. Definitely done. Definitely done. Why? Thank you. Probably some other things happened in that film, but buggered if I remember them. There was a lot of film, wasn't there? There certainly was, and it just just washes over you, doesn't it? Yeah. I spent quite a lot of the film thinking, Michelle Pfeiffer, she used to be Catwoman, you know. She did used to be Catwoman. We talked about it in an episode. We did. <laughs> it... Do you know what it felt like to me? It felt like Marvel doing an entry in the Star Wars saga. Yeah, I guess it did have a, a bit of Star Wars to it. Brave rebels fighting against an evil empire, meeting up with a potential Lando Calrissian-style Lothario who might give him a bit of help, but actually, oh no, sells him out to the bad guys. Oh yeah, Bill Murray's in this film as well, but it, it doesn't really matter. No, but he is basically Lando Calrissian. Yeah. And also basically Bill Murray because that's all he does. Yes. To be fair, that's all he needs to do. Yeah. I mean, Bill Murray is already a ridiculous, fantastical character, so what, what yeah. bother trying to be anything it, else? It's a bit like the Goldblum effect, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Why would you try and write a character when you can just have Jeff Goldblum be Jeff Goldblum? Yeah. So... So yeah, yeah, it felt it felt like the entire Star Wars saga stuffed into a Marvel movie. It was like the bits in our world 
were like prologue and epilogue, and then in the middle, let's do the Star Wars saga. <laughs> yeah. But I would also say... I'm having Mordok as the equivalent to R2-D2. <laughs> the, the bits in our world at the beginning and the end also felt more like an Ant-Man film. <laughs> yeah, because... It's a it's a film where a lot happens without much happening. There are lots of big yeah. set pieces that don't actually move the plot forward that much. Yeah, I think so you made you made the Star Wars comparison. Do you know what this reminds me a lot of? Did you ever read any of the Marvel Point One comics? Marvel what? Uh, Point One. No. Basically, it's uh, a comic they put out every now and then, usually whenever they've done a big relaunch. And the idea is it's a bunch of kind of short stories, essentially setting up like what some of the big stories for the next year or so are going to be like, if they're going to have a big event crossover, it's setting that up. Right. And this to me felt like that for like kind of the Avengers movies. Right. Okay. Just felt it a lot just felt like a lot of this is Kang. He's gonna be important. Some other things happen, but eh, whatever. Yeah, we're introducing him to our movie audience for anybody who missed the Loki TV show. Which they might have done. God, yeah. this, this is the age we live in now, where it's like, oh, d did you want to watch this film? Surprise, you need to go watch, like, three streaming service shows first. Also, yeah. one of them was a Netflix exclusive, but now isn't, and we don't actually know where it is. Oh, and also, there's 34 other movies you've got to watch, because we might mention one of them. Oh, my God, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be that. Avengers Endgame thing all over again which, oops, suddenly thought he was important <laughs> we, we all remember the dark world don't we <laughs> I mean to be fair it was quite important in season 2 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I'd forgotten it by then so you know I mean was anything really important in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. it was a fine series and you should stop dissing it I should I've I like being mean to it more than I actually... I, I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> it had Ghost I mean, Rider. I mean, it Ghost wasn't Rider. Inhumans. That's very true. There's a puppy that needs kicking. I mean, it's a pretty ugly puppy, though, isn't it? It is an ugly puppy. With half a leg. And no tail. And a horrible weepy eye. <laughs> but yeah this film is just it's just not very interesting it's not it, it's like it's almost like they've taken the whole concept of going into this microscopic realm which should be the most exciting thing that the Marvel Universe has done since it did multiverse jumping in Doctor Strange 2. And it just isn't. It's it's like, well, 
actually a lot of this bit. Do you know what it reminded me most of, apart from the Star Wars sort of parallels? In terms of the actual content and story and feeling like I've been shortchanged despite all the big special effect pieces, Green Lantern. Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern movie. I mean, I think I would still certainly take this over Green Lantern. Yeah, it was better, but it wants to be. It was like, you know, ten years younger. But yeah, yeah, it's that same kind of trying to set up this big, epic, cosmic thing. Yeah. And it just feels quite flat. Yeah. There are no big poo clouds, though, so that's something. That's true. I'm not sure whether I prefer this Modoc to the animated Modoc, though. I dislike both of them. All right, okay. But yet, I I like the idea of Darren Cross being Modoc. Like, I think it's a fun way to bring him back. But firstly, I think the main big thing for me is him like turning good seemed very just quick i mean it's literally cassie says why don't you just not be a dick and he's like oh yeah I'll oh, not okay be a dick. <laughs> and also the, the cgi on darren cross's modoc was a little bit lawnmower man yeah his like, face seemed really stretched <laughs> and i think to an extent like you want modoc to look a bit uncanny valley yeah but this just looked like bad CGI. It did, yeah. Um, and it's a shame because, you know, it was a big reveal that Modoc appeared in one of the trailers, wasn't it? And you think people have been crying out for Modoc. Some people have been crying out for Modoc in the MCU proper for ages. And this is what you've done. Yeah, it's again. I feel like it's definitely just a case of them going, "Oh, people want Modok. We'll just chuck Modok in." Yeah, but it's like, but no, people want Modok because they want him to be like the main villain. Yeah, not just. I mean, he he basically gets the same amount of screen time as random generic alien people. Yeah, like you know, you've got the the psychic man, and he's oh, he can read your mind, and it's all disgusting, and he's a is a blobby guy, and. Lazy yeah. face. Yeah, it, and I think, I think that's it. There's, there's almost like there was too much concentration on making the inhabitants of the quantum realm a bit off, a bit weird, a bit wacky. And I think, certainly, my interpretation of the quantum realm would be that it wouldn't be that different to our realm it'd be almost you know the same but smaller and it'd be more an investigation into how they'd cut because when they look at things like spiders and ants and stuff like that and these comparisons of if it was the size of a human but then you never get a spider the size of a human or an ant the size of a human. And there's, there's physical limiting factors to why that is because of the strength of their exoskeleton and their frame and everything else. 
But those problems would go away in the quantum realm. And that would be what would make it interesting. Because then you could take a quantum realm human and there would be a spider as big as them or an ant as big as them, possibly even bigger. And there'd be more of a threat that you'd almost be in a like land of the giants thing, but it would work scientifically. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess maybe that can happen in the future now that Hank Pym has ruined the quantum realm by introducing an invasive species of ants. Well, true. <laughs> you can tell Hank Pym's not Australian, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing there's no real-world examples of, oh, let's just shove a whole new species of animal into this place. I'm sure nothing bad will happen. <laughs> But yet, I, mean, I think the problem with like the quantum realm people is they want Scott to have like a new group of wacky sidekicks. Yeah. But you know he already had a group of wacky sidekicks. Yeah. And you know they were characters people liked. And they aren't back. Yeah. No. It's it's again, it's to shove it into this whole completely different direction. Yeah. It's just. It's also it's not as funny this film. No. And because he hasn't got his sidekicks, you see, what would have made what would have made it a bit of like relief would have been if they'd have sort of early doors in their trip into the quantum realm, if they'd got sort of partial functionality of the device back, and being able to get like an audio link back to the sidekicks from the first two movies, and be asking them to get information for them. In the way that only they could. Yeah, exactly. Like you can just see it now of just them going, okay, Louis, we need a way to defeat Kang. And him just going, oh, yeah, my sister's boyfriend's girlfriend's a second cousin twice removed. I actually want to talk to this guy at this place. And, and he knows the security guard who drives the car for the guy who does the thing for the thing with the thing. Yeah. And automatically you've won back your Ant Man 1 and 2 audience. But uh, it, it it feel if you sat and what if if you sat there on a we've got a bank holiday coming up if you sat there on that wet bank holiday weekend because it's a bank holiday it will be wet and decided to do an Ant Man marathon this would feel like the adopted kid in the Ant Man family. Yeah. Also, why is Hope Van Dyne in it? Is, is she in it, though, really? Exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah, because she gets basically nothing to do. And yeah. I think it really hurts that she's basically for 90% of the film completely separated from Scott. Yeah. Like, because at the end of the film, it's supposed to be this whole big... Because I, I did kind of truncate the ending quite a bit. Basically, they all get a portal to go back home. Everyone else steps through it. Scott's about to go through it. But then Kang arrives and he's like, ah, I'm not dead. And they have a fight. And then Hope like comes back to save him. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's supposed to be this sweet emotional moment. But, like, there's there's no connection between these two people. They've barely spoken to each other. Yeah. It, yeah, it's... It's it's like they've taken all the good work from the first two movies and then spat on it. And 
I don't like it. And I, it, it still, it still, because this is the, I get confused now. Is this the first entry in phase five or the last entry in phase four? Uh, okay. it's, it's we hard. had that with Ant-Man 1, didn't we? Yeah, and it's worse now because COVID happened and then everything like got knocked off schedule. Yeah. I think, if I remember correctly, it's now Black Panther 2 was the end of Phase 4 and this is the start of Phase 5. Right. But it means that Phase 5 has started off the same as Phase 4 was, which was let's focus on quantity and quality can go hang. Yeah, which hopefully they're going to... It seems like they're maybe learning their lesson a bit and they're slowing things down. Because, yeah. I mean, even within that, they have managed to push some enjoyable stuff out, like Loki, What If, and um, She-Hulk. But they've all just been a little bit... I enjoyed it, but I could have enjoyed it so much more. Yeah, I think it's a combination of A, a lot of their stuff could have used just that little bit of extra time to just, you know, polish it up a bit. Yeah. And B, even the good stuff, like you just, you don't get time to enjoy it because next month you're onto something completely different. Yeah. Like, I loved Moon Knight when it came out and now I barely think of, about it because that was so many Marvel properties ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I quite enjoyed the Hawkeye series. But again... Oh my god, that was a Hawkeye series. <laughs> but again, you you know, again, there's been so many properties since then. We had an Eternals movie. Do you remember that? No, I'm pretty sure you made that one up. No, no, that that was one of the. Um, I've got a feeling that that was one of the first ones that tried to reflect its runtime in the title. Ah. Uh, to... Took the 30 days a night lesson. Yeah. <laughs> we probably made that joke when it came out. Who can remember? <laughs> anyway, I'm now going to very likely phase, phase, phase four becomes the best of behold. <laughs> As we just redo all the gags we did the first time. <laughs> yeah, let's, so. let's do that. Let's just re-edit all our old episodes and pretend it's about this film. Yeah. Except we can't, because for some goddamn reason, Michael Peña's not in this film. <laughs> That's true. He must have been busy. Or sensible. Or not need the money. Probably not. What's he even doing now? Living off the money from Ant-Man 1 and 2, I would imagine. Good point. <laughs> it's what I'd do. I honestly feel that if I was in their sphere of uh, influence and they offered me a part in one of their franchises, I'd, I'd be a one and done. Yeah, I, I can respect that a lot. It's like John Carpenter who just said, you know what, I've made enough films now. I'm just going to like smoke weed and play video games for the rest of my life. Yeah. And really, isn't that the dream? Well, I mean, I've, I've, I've got slightly better dreams than that, but yeah, essentially. Earn enough money so that you can do what you want. See, now I'm just depressed. 
<laughs> gonna have to think about that as I work till I'm like 80 years old. There'll be no pension for you, my man. You will work till you drop. Yep, no magic money tree for me. No. So, we started this recording being worried about changes to our recording medium, limiting the amount of time we had to record, and we were planning to do a double episode. Yeah, this is... This and is unlike Marvel, talk about. I, unlike Marvel, I don't want to do a load of padding. <laughs> no, we can do it in a quick introduce a random subplot. <laughs> Oh, what we could do is we could make a a quick mention of a forthcoming Behold Cinematic Universe entry. Um, where we maybe discuss the mysterious forces that are centering upon Gotham City. Then never mention it again for the rest of this episode. And maybe all will become clear in a future episode when people listen. When we do phase 74 of Behold. Yeah. Oh, what we should really do, though, is drop that hint and then do what should be the thing that follows that up. But then actually it's something completely different. And then in phase, like, 86 of Behold, we realise that we messed that up, and so go back and try and like awkwardly weld the continuity together, good to go. Actually, nope, nope, it was all part of the plan. Yeah. Let's do that. Oh, and then we could do an animated version of Behold, where we ask the question, what if we'd actually liked Inhumans? Nope, can't picture it. <laughs> Somewhere a watch has just exploded. Yeah. Like, tried to use my IR Vagamotto to scan all possible. <laughs> no, it's, it's just not there. Anyway, I... I mean, I like all the performances in the film. Well... I don't know about Evangeline Lilly's because there wasn't much of it to see. Yeah, like I said, I liked all the performances in the film. Yeah. Um, I think she's still on that aeroplane that she was on. Maybe. Maybe they just couldn't get her for filming. Well, um, yeah, it, it's a bit I didn't find anything bad in any of the performances. But I think I was too distracted by how much stuff was happening but not happening. But yeah, there was no no point where I thought, oh, you're phoning that in. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, like, oh, I actually didn't turn my laptop charger on. Oh, no. There we go. Crisis averted. You. So yeah, much much like my ability to plan things and 
plug things in correctly. I don't think there was anything like actively bad with the film. But equally, and conversely, there was nothing that brilliant about it. Yeah. It felt like a tread water entry in the uh, MCU, but then that's kind of that's kind of why it feels like part of Phase Four. Yeah, this. I mean, it's weird that it feels like treading water because this is also probably like the biggest step forward in terms of like the overall plot. Yeah, but it just. Yeah. Yeah. So, wait, no, I've got it. I've got it. What? I enjoyed the fact that one of the Kangs in the Gathering of Kangs was Kang, who is also a lizard man. You see, unfortunately, my review copy didn't have the mid and post credit and end credit sequences. I had to read about them. Oh, so you didn't get to see all the Kangs. No. But apparently it replicates a, a very famous comic panel where all the Kangs assemble. Yeah, yeah. The, That's the what they should Kangs. call the end of Phase 5, isn't it? Kang assemble. Yes. Potentially, depending on what happens with Kang. Because turns out Jonathan Majors is maybe a bit of a wrong one. <sighs> So, well, I've got a, I've got a feeling. Don't I remember that Evangeline Lilly made was it anti vaxxers was it anti vax comments or something that she made during filming? Yeah, and to be fair, Letitia Wright as well. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, it's tough, and I, I think it's. It's probably best not to say anything too much since I think the stuff with Jonathan Majors is still ongoing. Allegedly. Yeah. You know, because I'd be whole three high, you know, a bastion of information. We are. Really, really what we say goes. We're, we're the kingmakers of the MCU. Absolutely. I mean, you know. I think it was largely down to our campaigning that you got Black Bolt in um, Doctor Strange. That's right. After I... mentioning, after mentioning a very long time ago, uh, the fact that he got all the best lines in that series. Yeah, and he he certainly didn't disappoint in that film. No. Yeah. Oh well. Maybe it won't be Kang Assemble then. Who knows? Or maybe it'll be Kang, but they'll just all be replaced with the other Kang variant from the universe where he's played by Michael Pena. Can you just imagine that scene? <laughs> Where they explain how Kang got to be in the quantum realm. Can you just imagine that done in the style of Michael Pena? 
That would be awesome. The runtime would be about five days and yes. no one would care. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why they've actually had to split it off into like two different Avengers films is just because the first one is old as Michael Peña talking. <laughs> right, should we rank this? I guess so. All right. So I won't bother recapping the top ten. Yeah, we we can maybe. I except don't for, just... except possibly for information purposes. Yes, I will Here, certainly here's say. Here's the point: Do we publish this list anywhere? We do not know, so you've got to listen to the podcast to get it. But we don't. We don't do a full countdown every episode. Well, I guess if people want to know the full countdown, they just need to go back and re-listen to every episode. It's called supply and demand, Mick. So we don't supply. And they don't demand. there's no demand. Exactly. (laughs) So, yes, I, I will just mention, for the sake of the format... This is our big list going from a history of violence at number one all the way down to spawn at number 49. And I think... Yeah, so I did have an idea before we started recording. Uh, uh, number 27, we have Black Adam, which is another film that was basically fine, I guess. Mm-hmm. And just above that, at number 26, we've got X-Men. So maybe between those two? Yeah. Uh, uh, Absolutely, that's a good shot. When you consider what I've said in the past about the X-Men films and what we said about Black Adam at the time, that's about right. Yeah, there we go. Easy peasy. Uh, You know, I'm just going to write the word quantum mania because I can't be faffing about with all this Ant-Man and the Wasp nonsense. Oh, actually, I did have one exciting moment with this film. Did you? Yep. It was the bit just before the end credits start where they reveal the big twist that Ant-Man is in the word Quantumania this whole time. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad you hadn't that. doesn't that move it up a place. No, it doesn't, but it does give me vindication that you hadn't realised that as well. Yes. I, I No, I hadn't. Because I turned to my friend in the cinema and said, oh, Ant-Man's in Quantum Mania, and he just gave me a look. I, um, I think I possibly stopped watching by that point. <laughs> <laughs> Because I could see that my review copy wasn't going to give me end credits and credit sequences. <laughs> That's fair, but no, I just mean like throughout the entire title announcement and all the marketing for this film, I never realised that the whole point of the word quantum mania is that it has Ant-Man in it. Right. Oh, well. Maybe that that's because, by the nature of our podcast, Andrew, and the fact that we have to watch all of this stuff, 
In some cases, listeners, so that you don't have to. Don't watch Inhumans. It's terrible. Um, we've just become Im immune to the Marvel marketing. Yeah, maybe by not noticing the fact that the word Ant-Man is in Quantum Mania, I'm actually proving that I'm I'm too smart to notice it. Yeah. Nothing drew us in to watch that film, other than the devotion to duty we have for our podcast. Exactly. I mean, seriously, folks, why else would we have re-watched Spawn? Oh, see, I only watched it once. Yeah, I watched it when it came out. I'm older than you. You are. You've had more time to make bad decisions. No, it wasn't a bad decision at the time. It was a comic book movie and there were very few of them about back then. We got once one once every eight years or so, if we were lucky. And, and you it... were terrible and you were happy for it. <laughs> we were such a less demanding audience back then. We'd have been glad of a Green Lantern movie. Yep, you'd have sat down, eaten it all up and said, Thank you, sir, can I have another? Yes. There would have been a Green Lantern too. Anyway, I think we've dragged this episode out long enough. We have, yeah. So that's about it from us. If you want to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at BeholdPod. Also, if you're a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice, or just recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow the show and reach new listeners. So, that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been Mick. So long, and thanks for listening.